Well, since the beginning of the human race, it has been God's plan, God's design for us to pass on the faith to generations that follow. Indeed, we are called to leave uh, a legacy for uh, our children. I don't know what you think of when you think of a legacy, but I think of something that is left behind in order to make an impact on those uh, that follow. In fact, in Genesis chapter 18, God was speaking about Abraham. And uh, chapter 18, verse 19, we read these words from God. It says, For I have chosen Abraham so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. I think the central truth that I want us to see from God's Word today as we open His Word together, it's that we are called to leave a legacy of faith for next generations. And we as believers, as people of faith, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, are called to leave a legacy of faith for next generation. So as we seek to understand and unpack that truth, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me today to the book of Proverbs. And we'll begin in Proverbs chapter 20. And the book of Proverbs is found on page 527 of the Pew Bible. I don't know what page it is uh, in your Bible, but if you don't have a Bible, certainly I would encourage you to take one from uh, the Pew Rack and open the scriptures uh, with me this morning. And as you find uh, your way there. Let me encourage you, if you've never spent time uh, in this portion of God's Word in the book of Proverbs, certainly uh, to do so, filled with practical instruction about day-to-day living. Uh, the uh, Proverbs are about communicating what a life uh, that is lived by wisdom looks like, and that type of life, according to the Scriptures, is only found uh, in rightly responding to the God of the scripture. So as you find your place in Proverbs chapter 20, uh, please join me standing for the reading of God's Word. We'll be looking at just uh, two uh, main texts this morning, several subtexts, but uh, two Proverbs. The first is Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, excuse me, verse 7, and it reads this way. It says, the righteous lead blameless lives, blessed are their children after them. The righteous lead blameless lives, blessed are their children after them. And then Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, reads this way. Start children off and on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Let's bow in prayer. Father God, we do ask you, Uh, Now to guide us, to instruct us, to lead us, that we might rightly understand uh, the truths of your word that you have for us today. Father, guide us by your spirit. Give us clarity of mind. And Father, draw our hearts to you that we might faithfully follow you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, throughout the book of Proverbs... Uh, Two ways, two paths are continually uh, contrasted. The way of the wise and the righteous is continually or consistently contrasted with the way of the wicked uh, or the foolish. In fact, the scriptures in the Proverbs are clear that 
we will only find the right way, the right path, if we know and follow uh, the one and only God. If we uh, respond to Him in a way that is appropriate to Him, if we respond with an attitude uh, that is described in the Proverbs as the fear of the Lord, recognizing that He alone is God, that He is worthy of our reverence, uh, that He is worthy of uh, our pursuits uh, to honor Him, to obey Him, to follow after him. So there's this assumption in God's word that there is indeed a right way, a right path, a, a way of righteousness, and the Proverbs help us uh, in that direction. And as believers in the God of the Bible, we are called to point others in that direction, including our children. In fact, just as there is with uh, all of us, there is also uh, two ways that are contrasted for uh, children to follow, and that is the way that honors God and the way uh, that dishonors God. And as believers, people of faith in the God who has made himself known to us, we are called upon to do everything that we can to point children in the way that honors God, to point children to a life of faith in God, we are called to leave a legacy of faith for next generations. A legacy of faith to point them to the faith, body of beliefs that the Word of God communicates and portrays as absolutely essential for us in knowing and following after God. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Or as many other popular translations convey, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I don't know where where your mind goes when you think of the idea of training. Perhaps you think of Pets, perhaps you think of a dog that needs to be trained to obey, or maybe a horse that needs to be trained to carry riders, or maybe an Olympic athlete that is training uh, for uh, a sport. Based on current life experience for me, when I think of the idea of training, I immediately think of my two-year-old son who has been potty training for the last uh, few days and and weeks. But here's the deal. Training is not uh, just for animals. It's not just for toddlers. It's not just for Olympic athletes. I think the scriptures are clear that uh, training is for all of us, that we need to be trained. It is a basic human need to be trained. In fact, if we are not trained then we will naturally go our own way. In fact, I think the Scriptures are clear. If we are not trained in the ways of the Lord, then we will naturally gravitate toward the ways of the wicked. For we have inherited a sin nature ever since the first human beings rebelled against God. We'll naturally gravitate toward the way of sin and and self. But even so, despite our sin and our tendency to sin, our propensity to turn away from God and the things of God. God has been about setting apart, about calling a people to be his people and to enjoy the privileges of knowing him and walking with him. And it was for this reason that God spoke to Abraham, our spiritual ancestor, and called Abraham to depart, to go into the direction that God would show him so that subsequent generations would be blessed through him. 
Abraham was responsible for passing on the instructions, the teachings, the ways of God to generations that followed. And several generations down uh, the way, the people of, of Israel, the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham were being delivered from bondage, from slavery in Egypt. And upon their deliverance, God gave them instructions. He gave them a law to reveal the way that he had for them. In the giving of that law, it was clear that his people were called upon to adhere to that instruction, to obey his ways and to pass on his ways to their children. And the reason that they were called upon to do so is because he alone is is God. And so we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that God's people were called upon and instructed to repeat the ways of the Lord over and over and over again to their children. So throughout the generations of followers of God, there's been this sort of organic passing of the faith from generation to generation. This is not to be a passing of the faith for a certain particular ethnicity. We know that the God of the Scriptures is the God of the nations, that He cares about the nations of the world, and He calls on us as followers of Him to be a light to the nations, to be proclaimers of His message, to spread this message of salvation to all those we encounter, and that certainly includes those in our own household. And so the natural result is we see throughout the history of the church, and even in uh, the beginnings of the church in the New Testament, we often see entire households coming to faith in Christ. We think of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 that turned to Christ and his family followed suit. But the good news for us, believers, is that we are not left to do this alone. Certainly, there is a history of passing on the faith to uh, those within our households, those within our our family units, but God has also given us a family of believers. He has given us each other. He has given us the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, From Him, from Jesus, from Christ, the whole body or the whole church, the whole body of believers, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, we are a gift to one another. The church is God's design. And we are called upon as believers in Jesus to come alongside each other and to encourage one another and to train each other and to teach each other and to hold each other accountable as we pursue spiritual maturity together, knowing that we will never fully be mature until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. So there's this history of of pursuing spiritual growth together as believers in the home and in the church. But back to Proverbs chapter 22. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This proverb and many others like it use something called parallelism, where the first line is instruction, and the second line is meant to be a result or a consequence of Uh, doing that particular instruction. But like the other Proverbs, this is no guarantee. This is no hard and fast rule. The Proverbs were uh, most likely, most of them written based upon observation. So the wise would look and observe how life went and then record general truths. But we know that there are often many other factors 
that contribute to whether or not one comes to know and to follow Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, we are all responsible. And children, as they grow, are responsible for choosing to, to follow Christ or, or not. In fact, the Proverbs begin in chapter 1, verses 8 and following, of warning children to follow wise teaching. But even so, church, even so, gospel training does impact next generations. What we do and how we communicate the faith and how we invest in next generations makes a difference. Gospel training impacts next generations. Now, no one would argue with the fact, with the reality that children uh, need instruction, that children need guidance and direction as far as what way to go. We need to teach them and train them about things that they will encounter, basic responsibilities in the world. But what is being communicated here in Proverbs is more than just that general instruction. It's specific instruction in the way of the Lord. It's instruction in the faith. Now, this sort of specific instruction is not new to us. We're not unfamiliar with the idea of of informing and instructing uh, generations for we live in a culture that is uh, obsessed, I would say, with specialized child training. Do we not? From things like uh, math and reading tutors to uh, private pitching coaches to personalized uh, dance instructors. And these in and of themselves are certainly not a, a bad thing. Don't hear me saying that. I'm the product of some of, of these things. But in our pursuits to make sure that our children don't get behind to give them every advantage over uh, other people so that uh, they will have the best possible chance uh, if they are one of the fortunate few to cash in on a college scholarship. In our pursuits of all of those things, which can be good things in and of themselves, we must not, church, we cannot fail to train them in what is most important, and that is in the faith. We cannot fail to train children and next generations in godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this. He says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life. To come, church, we are called to leave a legacy of faith for next generations. And as we strive to do just that, as followers of Jesus, we are urged to, based upon the scriptures, to look to the example of God our Father. As we seek to leave a legacy of faith and to invest in generations that follow us, let's look to the example of God who is described in the pages of the Bible as our Father. Here's the deal. You may or may not be fortunate to have earthly parents who love you unconditionally and pursue your eternal salvation. But the God of the Bible does just that. He loves us unconditionally and He pursues our eternal salvation. He calls us to follow after Him and He calls us His very own adopting us into His family. An act that the pages of Scripture describe as 
is sonship, full legal standing as adopted heirs in Roman culture. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, at just the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Church, the God of the Bible, the one and only God, the God who has made Himself known, invites us, calls us, encourages us to to come into His family and to follow after Him and to approach Him as our Father. A Father who loves us and who disciplines us and who guides us and who corrects us and rebukes us when we are wrong, but always doing so out of love and a desire for our best interest. And likewise, church, we are called to imitate His character. We are called to imitate His way. We are called to point present and next generations to faith in Him. Not disciplining with, a, with an anger that points them away from Christ, but disciplining with a love that points others to Christ. So church, as we seek to be faithful in leaving a legacy of faith, let's work to teach God's truth in the home. Let's be people of faith who are adamant about this, who don't compromise on this, who teach the truths of God in the home. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not irritate your children. Do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers and mothers, parents are called upon to instruct next generations in the faith, pointing them to the God who saves, the God who knows us, the God who loves us, the God who calls us to follow after Him, and as a tool to encourage one another toward that end. We have partnered with a a parent ministry resource. I want to invite you to watch a short video about that resource on the screen. That's what this insert in your bulletin is all about. You can find this information at parents.meadowbrookbaptist.org. And so as a sampling of what is available there, let me encourage you to watch this uh, short video that corresponds to the age of one of my own children. This is the year that your child begins school for the first time. You're now the parent of a kindergartner. Wow! I know that the thought of your baby growing up might make you a little queasy, but you're going to make it. In fact, you're not just going to make it, you're going to thrive. Because unlike many parents, you have a plan ready to put in motion to help guide the next year as your child begins to navigate the world of school. This year, your children's ministry hopes to invite your kindergartner to experience generosity. The first step toward getting involved is what we call Kickstarters. We're going to give you three Kickstarter experiences that will help you process the big idea behind being generous through a key passage of scripture, a few questions to talk through, and a hands-on activity to experience together. Each of these three Kickstarters will fit together to help your child learn what it means to be a giver and not just a taker. The three Kickstarters will also lead up to the Rite of Passage experience for the year, which will be a service project that you and your child will experience together. Your next step is to simply use the parent guide and start asking your child and yourself questions like, 
What is it that our family is passionate about? What resources do we have available? And how much time can we commit to this service project? You might choose to sponsor a child through a missions organization. Or you might choose to volunteer to serve at a local food bank together. Or you may have a garage sale and raise money to support cancer research. The options are limitless. You can craft the experience around your family. And once you've chosen your service project, set a date on your family calendar and make it a reality. Keep it simple and have fun during the process. This is an experience that will shape your kindergartner's heart. I know your child is very young, but they were created to make a difference. Sometimes it's hard to see their potential because of their size, but just know that God can see it clearly. This year, let's invite our kids to live a generous life. So how about that energy? So the secret to uh, parenting with high energy like that is found on the website. So go and check it out. That's a joke. It's not really found there. Parenting is difficult. It's a challenge. It's time-consuming. Investing in next generations is hard. But church, this is what we are called to do. And so this video here is uh, an introductory video for uh, the kindergarten age. And I have a kindergartner beginning this week. And so the theme for us is generosity. And so uh, that's what we've begun talking about, how we can work uh, toward learning about generosity and a service project that we can adopt together sometime over the course of this year. And so there are other guides and, and passages of Scripture uh, toward that end for each age group. So I would encourage you as you seek to teach God's truth in the home uh, to familiarize yourself with this resource that is available to us. But as we seek to impact next generations with the faith, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, let's teach his truth in the home and let's also as a church continue to teach his truth in the church. Let's teach God's truth in the home and let's teach God's truth in the church. The truth is, according to the scriptures, that a preschool ministry or a children's ministry or a youth ministry is not meant to replace faithful parenting and discipleship in the home, but meant to come alongside and to encourage and to equip and to partner together toward that end. And certainly, we cannot have such ministries without faithful leaders and adults who are passionate about Jesus Christ and passionate about seeing generations that follow come to know and walk with Jesus Christ. And so if that is you, if perhaps you are passionate about serving or leading in a particular age group, then certainly let our age group staff know, for we are in this together, church. Thank God for the household of faith, for a family of believers, for brothers and sisters in Christ coming together for the sake of passing on the faith to generations that follow. Gospel training impacts next generations. And secondly, we see here from the Scriptures that gospel living also impacts next generations. Gospel training impacts next generations and gospel living impacts next generations. Proverbs 20, verse 7, once again, The righteous lead blameless lives, Blessed are their children after them. And so that first line there, the righteous lead blameless lives. Certainly we know, does it mean they live perfect lives? For none of us live perfect lives on this earth. We uh, are infected with sin. But what's being communicated there is mothers and fathers and other 
parental leaders and teachers who are walking the faith that they profess to believe. Living out a life of of faith through actions. So for the sake of our children, church, we must model God's character in the home. Let's not only teach God's truth in the home, but let's model God's character in the home. Certainly teaching the ways of God and engaging in gospel conversations, but that alone, according to the Scriptures, is not enough. We are called to live for Him, to follow after Christ, to embrace Christ, and to model a life that displays our faith. To model Loving kindness and patience and care and provision and protection to model the ways of God and the way that we interact with our spouse, with our children, with our neighbors, with whosoever we encounter. For there are folks who are watching and learning from us. And the truth is that the family is God's design. I believe it is God's desire for Parents of faith to invest in their children with the faith. But we know that this is often not the case. We know that all are not privileged to sit under parents who love and follow after Jesus Christ. So we as a church, as followers of Jesus, must be prepared to stand in the gap for children who lack gospel training. Stand in the gap for children who lack gospel training. Be on the lookout to be prepared to invest in next generation, next generations alongside parents and others for the sake of passing the faith. You know, the church is distinct, but the church possesses something the rest of the world does not. Possess knowledge of the truth. Sin and salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We possess the Spirit living in us and working among us. And as such, church, we as believers ought to be the first that respond to needs. We ought to be the first that respond to needs like foster care and orphan ministries. We ought to be quick to participate in outreach outreach events for the sake of reaching children and families. And we ought to be intentional about developing relationships with with parents who don't know and follow Christ for the sake of pointing them and their children to faith in Jesus Christ. Church, we are called to leave a legacy of faith for next generations. I know the bulk of this message this morning is uh, directed at parents or other parental figures or teachers or coaches, but I want to speak to our, our children for just a moment. So students... Boys and girls, regardless of your age, know that you are not off the hook here for the Word of God is clear about instructing us in choosing to follow godly leadership. So students and children, choose to follow godly leadership. Choose to follow the leadership and example of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and Neighbors and teachers and coaches and others who invest in you and who point you to faith in Jesus Christ. Think for a moment about the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the only one to live a perfect life on this earth. The only one to never sin, to never disobey, to never dishonor God. That wasn't true of his parents. His parents were flawed just as we are. His parents made mistakes, yet he continued to honor and to obey them. So children, choose to follow 
the example of Christ by choosing to follow godly leadership. And parents, don't measure your worth by your children's faith. Don't measure your worth by your children's faith. We live in a very results-oriented culture. And the natural tendency that we might have is if our children grow up to know and to follow and to love Jesus Christ, to pat ourselves on the back for a job well done. Don't succumb to that temptation. Rather, thank God for His mercy. On the flip side, if we grow up and our children abandon the faith or walk away from God, the tendency may be to become discouraged or even depressed. But thank God that He is a God who works beyond and despite our shortcomings, beyond and despite our failures. And ultimately, when anyone comes to know and love and follow Jesus Christ, God deserves the glory. So let's thank God when children follow Christ. Church, let's join together in giving God thanks, giving Him praise when children and others come to know and to follow Jesus Christ. After all, salvation is not from us. It is from Him. Thus, He deserves the praise. He deserves the glory. Let's thank Him for His work in and through us and despite of us for His glory. So let me ask you as we conclude this morning, have you, whatever your age, have you received this faith? Are you passing on this faith? Have you received this faith in Christ that you are called upon, that I am called upon to pass on to next generations, to whosoever we encounter in this life? Church, let's be intentional as followers of Jesus Christ, as believers in the God of Scripture, to pass on the faith of Christ to whosoever we encounter for His glory. Father, we do pray that that would be true in our lives. Lord, we pray that we would be intentional about passing on the truths of you, from you, to next generations. Father, help us to live lives that glorify you, that that honor you, that speak of you, that walk with you. Forgive us where we fall short. Forgive us where we fail. Father, use us in whatever way you see fit to point others to you. Father, we thank you for those that you have entrusted to us. Father, we thank you for children. And Lord, we pray that as as moms and dads and neighbors and teachers and as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be faithful in passing on a legacy of faith for next generations. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.